0: Last we've seen in chapter 14, we've seen David starting to bring the ark back to Jerusalem but had to take a three-month break from uh, taking it into Jerusalem because of him uh, not necessarily bringing it in the right way, kind of trying to do it under his own power. So we remember him uh, leaving it with Obed-Edom at his house for safekeeping. Uh, and now we're going to see David start to kind of turn it around and learn his lesson from, uh, from that journey and finally get it into Jerusalem. We read in verse 1, it says, David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pinched, uh, pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no, uh, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. So remember Hiram, uh, king of Tyre, was going to build him a house when he came back. We've seen that in the last chapter. And he uh, obviously built many houses or buildings in Jerusalem. But there was a tent that was pitched for the Ark of the uh, the the Covenant coming in. Now this wasn't the uh, tabernacle. That was was elsewhere. But I'm... I'm going to assume that it was probably along the same lines as the tabernacle, a special place for the Ark of the Covenant to be put into. So there might be several reasons why he didn't maybe move the tabernacle in to put the Ark in. You would think maybe he would do that. Uh, One of it was maybe uh, he believed that the tabernacle was there, if the tabernacle was there, that the people would be satisfied with that and wouldn't want maybe the temple to eventually... built there Uh, another thing is he may uh maybe that the tabernacle was only moved when it was absolutely necessary so maybe he didn't want to move it at the moment but i think David really wanted to focus on the building of the temple which we know that david ends up not building the temple and his son solomon ends up building the temple but that could be several reasons why the tabernacle was not used uh for that time then the second part of this in in verse 2 he talks about that the Levites were going to be the ones to carry it. Ah, a light bulb went off. He knows what to do now. You know, three months of uh, possibly studying the scripture and, and, and figuring out what the Lord wanted instead of just kind of taking their cue from the Philistines who had brought the ark on a uh, cart, just like they were trying to do, just like the Israelites were trying to do, bring it into Jerusalem. Maybe a light bulb went off, and he finally got into the scripture and found where it was said that the Lev, uh, Levites were the ones that would have to deal with all the things of God because they were there to what, be servants to the people and servants to, uh, to God. So David sees this. <clears throat> and I think about this sometimes. Sometimes we try and do things in our own strength, in our own power, and often it, it may disrail us <laughs> and our walk may go off a little bit. And we see that with David as he got into scripture. And that's a time to get into scripture. That's a time to start to reflect back on, okay, hey, where, where may I have misstepped? Uh, last night, I, as I was trying to study over this stuff, I was just in a, in, in a state of frustration. Everything was bothering me. So I never really got to get into the study like I wanted. My children were bothering me. The dogs were bothering Everybody was bothering me last night. And, and and I don't know what it was, but that was definitely a time where I needed to, to kind of get my bearings together and get into scripture because that's, that's where the Lord wanted to be. The enemy was probably definitely after me last night and I needed to get into scripture. So when those times come, whenever we may fail and we don't quite go through with what the Lord has us to do, that's not a time to get frustrated. That's the time to rely on him and to be motivated to seek him and spend more time with him. And we see probably for these three months, I'm sure David did other things, but for these three months that the ark was away, he probably searched the scriptures, found out how the Lord really wanted this to happen, and then he made it happen. Verse 3, it says, And David gathered all of Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. Then David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites. Of the sons of Kohath, Uriel, the chief, and 120 of his brethren. Of the sons of uh, Merai, As- Asiah the chief, and 220 of his brethren. The sons of Gershom, Joel, the chief, and 130 of his brethren. The sons of e- Eli- Elizaphan, um, Shemiah the chief, and two hundred of his brethren. Of the sons of Hebron, Eliel, the chief, and eighty of his brethren. And sons of Uziel, Aminadab, the chief, and one hundred and twenty of his brethren. So David had already prepared a place for the ark. Now he was going to start preparing the people to receive the ark that was coming in. And you start seeing him lining them up. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those who were in charge of the music and the celebration that was going to happen. <clears throat> so here we go to verse 11. It says, And David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Esaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab. He said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves. You and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. Consult the Lord. And everything you do, we need to consult the Lord. And David is definitely learning this lesson right here then it says that they must sanctify themselves we are constantly in a state of sanctification god is working on us daily and and, and and to do the things of the lord we must be sanctified and we must be be set apart and free from sin and these guys were to clean themselves ceremonially and to to bring the ark and present themselves to the lord and the lord is constantly sanctifying us constantly cleaning us and and getting us ready for what's to come in the future so don't it just. So whenever we do fall, like David did, just remember we have a God that is constantly sanctifying us and constantly cleaning us, and we got to be thankful for that. And then we see that they finally, in verse thirteen, that they're going to do it the right way. We talked last week about God being the God of order and a god god that that is not you can't just do things any old kind of way i made a mention about being good enough for government work that's not really a good saying at all but we need to do things with integrity we need to do things that are that are that are right and in order because that's the god we serve is a god of order and a god that wants things done right so we see him finally consulting god on what needs to be done and we need to consult god as well on these things verse 16 it says then david spoke To the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren. I'm sorry, verse 14. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord uh, God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. So we see them doing things in order according to the word of the Lord. In verse 16, it says, Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brothers to be singers, accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps, cymbals, by raising their voices with resounding joy. Raising their voices with resounding joy. They weren't walking around somber. They weren't walking around beating themselves. Oh, woe is me. But they were going to be joyful and excited about the ark coming into Jerusalem, the presence of God coming into their city. We need to be joyful and we have resounding joy in our voice when we speak about the Lord. I want to turn off it can be whenever we're trying to share the Lord with somebody and we're just like Eeyore, just sad and moping around. Will the Lord save me? That's not how we should be. We should be joyful and excited that the Lord saved us. Amen. Because just just remember what he saved you from. and We've got to be joyful for that. So we see them becoming very joyful, and they're going to start singing and celebrating who the Lord is. So in 17 it says, So the Levites appointed uh, Haman, the son of Joel, and his brethren, Asaph, the son of uh, Bacchaeah, and of their brethren, the sons of Moriah, Ethan and the sons of Kishaya, and with them their brethren of the second rank: Zechariah, uh, Ben, Jazel, Shamarimoth, Jehel, Unai, Eliab, Benaiah, Maasiah, Mattathiah, Eli, uh, Fellah, Obed Edom, and Jael, the gatekeepers. Then the singers, Haman, Apheth, and Ethan, were to sound the symbols of bronze. Zechariah, Ezel, shemeramoth uh, Jehel, Unai, Eliab, Maasiah, and Benaiah, the string is according to the Elamoth, there must be some type of note of music or some kind of a note, Mathathiah, Eli, uh, Fela, Michniah. Ibed Edom, Obed-Edom, Jael, and Azaziah Ez- to direct with harps on the Shemineth. Chanian, Chananiah, leader of the Levites, was instructors in charge of the music because he was skillful. Bacchaeah and Elkanah were doorkeepers for the ark, and Shebaniah, Jehoshaphat, Nithi- uh, Jehoshaphat, Nathaniel, Amasi, Zechariah, Benaiah, and Eliezer, the priests, were to blow the trumpets before the ark of God, and Obed-Edom and Jehiah, doorkeepers for the ark. So here we go with all these names again. They're everywhere. Can't get rid of them in this book. So thank you. So we, uh, So we see here all the different parts that they were going to play in bringing the ark in from the music and from even the gatekeepers you can say it was their security and they weren't going to let in anybody to come and touch this ark their job was to guard that ark guard the entrance of the ark and you do not let anyone in that is not supposed to be in there because as we remember the last time someone touched the ark they died so there was a lot of pressure I think on these guys to ensure that that would not happen again. They were going to handle the ark and the things of God in a proper way. In verse 25, it says, So David, the elders, uh, David, the elders of Israel, went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And so it was when God helped the Levites to bore, uh, to bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that they uh, that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who bore the ark. The singers in the Chenaniah, the music master with the singers. David also wore a linen ephod. Thus, all of Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of horns and trumpets and with cymbals, making music with string instruments and harps. So this was a big celebration. And we thought the first time in chapter 13 when they were coming up that it was a big ordeal. I'm pretty sure this was bigger than that. And they were probably even more excited because they were doing it the way the Lord wanted them to do it. And they knew that this was going to be successful because the Lord had his hand inside of it. Verse 26, it says, and God helped the Levites who bore the ark. Now, I don't believe the ark was that heavy. It wasn't really big according to the measurements. So it wasn't the weight, the physical weight of the ark that God was helping them with. He was probably helping them through the stress of <laughs> carrying this ark up because of what happened with the, uh, with the other guy touching it and dying. So there was probably a lot of pressure on these guys. They didn't want to have a misstep. They didn't want to, they didn't want to you know, shame the Lord in what they were doing. So the Lord gave them strength and gave them help. How much more is the Lord going to give us help in the burdens and in the stresses that we carry every day? That we want to walk in his ways and we want to walk that straight and narrow path. And the Lord can help us walk that straight and narrow path. We don't have to have all the pressure and stress we have on us if we just lean on the Lord. He wants us to lean on him. He wants us to, to lay down our burdens before him. He wants to give us the light yoke because he wants us to turn all our burdens over to him. And we see that God is helping the Levites out with that because he knew there was a lot of stress. He knew that they were nervous. They wanted to make sure they were doing the right things. They wanted to make sure that they were performing in step with what the Lord had for them. Then it says something that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. Second Samuel 6.13, they talked about that they would take six steps and they would sacrifice an animal. Six more steps and sacrifice the animal. They weren't, they weren't going to hold anything back. They were not going to have a misstep. So David included the sacrificial system in there. And the number six in the Bible often stands for flesh. So they would take those six steps and then worship before the Lord and sacrifice before the Lord saying, you know what, if my flesh starts to well up and think that I'm the one bringing the ark, that I'm the one that, that orchestrated all of this, Let me stop and remind myself that it's you that is doing this. Let me stop myself and remind myself that you, Lord, is the one who makes all this happen. It's not me. So every six steps they would take, they would sacrifice. Another six steps, sacrifice. Can you imagine how long that could have taken to get up there? But it wasn't how long it was going to take. It was doing things the right way before the Lord. And following what the Lord has. Because the Lord has something good for each and every one of us. The Lord's way is good. Our way as men often fail. And we all can have a story. We can all probably give witness to that tonight. But if we just follow the ways of the Lord. It is right and it is good. And maybe you're having problems tonight. Maybe it's the marriage issues. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relationship issues. But the Lord wants us to worship him. Wants us to come closer to him and draw closer to him when we're having these troubles. And it's not by our glory, it's not by our might. It's by the worship of the Lord through the spirit. He said he wanted true worshipers, those who worship in spirit and truth. And that's what we need to do as as, as a body of Christ, is to give him true worship because he is worthy of it. in verse 29, and it happened as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw David, King David, whirling and playing music, and she despised him in her heart. So let's go ahead and turn over to Second Samuel 6. We're going to talk a little bit about this. First off, I want to say David was not ashamed of the Lord. He had an unashamed worship for the Lord. He didn't care who seen. He didn't care what people thought about him. He was unashamed of the Lord. And we see that here while he's dancing. He said David didn't hold back anything in his own expression of worship. He didn't dance out of obligation, but out of a heartfelt worship. He was glad to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into Jerusalem according to God's word. This expression of David's heart showed that he had a genuine emotional link to God. He wanted to worship. He didn't care who's seeing him. And the type of dancing they did, I don't know if you've ever seen some of the dancing in Israel where a lot of these uh, Orthodox Jews will get together and they, they lock arms and they dance. This is probably what he was doing. I don't believe he was doing this by himself. He was probably dancing with the other Levites, worshiping the Lord wholeheartedly nothing holding him back he didn't care who was watching and who had seen but we see his first wife here his wife here getting upset about that and if you turn to second samuel 6 verse 20 we'll read a little bit about that it says then david returned to bless his household and mccall the daughter of saul came out to meet david and said how great, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all the house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified, than this, and will be humble in my own sight, but as for the uh, maid servants of whom you have spoken, by them, I will be held in honor. therefore, Macall, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. David did not care what she thought in his worship of the Lord, and I think a lot of Christians get shamed when it comes to speaking about God; we get nervous and we and we and get scared and, and petrified to speak to others about the Lord, me included. I've had my moments where I'd, I'd feel a little ashamed to talk about God because of the crowd I was in. The Lord would remind me of that later, and, and, and I would have to go and, and fix that. But in Romans 1.16, it tells us that we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For there's the power of salvation. It saves people. The Lord saves people. And we got a hurt and dying world. We are talking about Hong Kong earlier in our prayer session. we got brothers and sisters in China and the Middle East suffering. And we get upset when we get a hangnail on our finger. We can't, we, we can't be ashamed of the gospel. There's a hurt and dying world right here in Lafayette. we got people who are hurt and dying without the gospel, without Christ in their heart. We can't be ashamed. And we see David not being ashamed. Not even with his own wife kind of biting at him about what he's doing. And it says here that she would be barren for the rest of her her days until she died. She would not have a child. The Lord closed her womb up. How many of us are spiritually dead because we're ashamed or spiritually dead because we, we don't want to worship the Lord in truth and spirit? We don't want to. We may want to come and hear a sermon on Sunday, but we'll skip the worship session. Ushers us into the Lord. Ushers, ushers us into His Word. We may want to pray to the Lord, but we never give time to worship Him, truly worship Him in, in our actions, in our deeds, in our words, in our spirit, in everything. We 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 don't humble ourselves before Him. And we see David taking off his the ephod and is and just dancing and enjoying the Lord. It's okay to let our hair down and enjoy the Lord. It's all right. Matter of fact, the Lord invites us to come in and worship him, invites us to come in and enjoy his presence. It's probably one of his, his, his greatest joys is to enjoy the worship and, and the praise of his people. And we see David just enjoying it. They, they call David a man after God's own heart because he was unashamed of who God was. He didn't care what other people thought of him when he was worshiping. We need to be unashamed of who he is. David, David told his wife his actions were before the Lord. He didn't do it for her. I'm not to worship the Lord for my wife. I'm not to worship the Lord because this is the way my kids want me to worship. I need to worship the Lord because this is the way the Lord wants me to worship. Not caring about those to my left and my right. When we're here on Sunday morning worshiping, or here on Wednesday night on worshiping, it's okay to worship the Lord. It's okay to raise your hand and give God praise if it's heartfelt and is right. That's what he wants from us. And I think, I think the church has kind of lost that and, and if, I'm not even going to go off into other things that worship has become, but we need to have a passion for the Lord. And we need to, when we worship the Lord, we need to worship him with our whole heart, our whole body, our whole mind, our whole being. Because he gave that, that all up for us on the cross. The least we can do is give him worship and praise him. And we see David right here, unashamed to worship, unashamed of what people thought. And I know I sound like a repeating record, but I I really want to drive that thought home. We need to be unashamed of our God because he's unashamed of us. Amen. So let's serve the Lord together with passion and intensity. Not only will our hearts be drawn closer together, I think as a body of Christ, we'll be drawn closer together as we all rally around the Lord and worship him. Amen. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for this time tonight and for your word, Father, that let us learn to be worshipers, Lord, of you, to worship you in spirit and truth, Father God, and not to be ashamed of who you are, Father. So many Christians just, just want to duck their heads down, Lord, and in, in the... We just can't, Lord. we we got to show this hurt and dying world exactly who you are, Lord, and be an example of who you are and be joyful and be worshipers of you, Father. Help us in that area. Uh, we thank you for that message tonight, Lord. We thank you for the people who are here. We ask for your blessings. We ask for the uh, blessings on those who are not here tonight, Father God. And we ask for your traveling mercies, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.